This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by Stable, maker of America's number one fuel stabilizer treatment and a growing number of exceptional products that make it easy to keep the vehicles that we depend on for our adventures running the way they're supposed to. That's what the start of a great day on the water sounds like for my family. If you're like me, you've known Stable as something you put in your fuel system to keep it fresh year-round, even if you haven't fired up your motor since last summer. The brand has been around for over 60 years, and it is recommended by over 100 OEM manufacturers. So for those of us who like to travel and play on unbeaten paths, we can trust that Stable will keep our engines humming. If you own an off-road vehicle, or an RV, or ATV, you probably know that your fuel system can get gummed up causing the kinds of problems that ruin trips. Using Stable protects you from those disasters, and it also makes your engine more powerful and more efficient. Today, the Stable lineup includes Fast Fix to revive engines that are running rough or not at all, Rust Stopper to prevent corrosion and stop squeaks and sticking, and 360 Marine, formulated specifically for boats and watercraft motors. It's everything you need to make sure you can get where you want to go. Come on, jump. Go on! Learn more at StableRadio.com. That's S-T-A-B-I-L Radio.com. From Outside Magazine. This is the Outside Podcast. When you watch someone come past with one lap to go, your favorite guy, your favorite team is in the right position and you're waiting for this moment to come because you can't see them on the back straight, but you're anticipating, right? You've been banging on the boards and you've been giving all of your energy to your team and they're coming around and you see them slide around this last corner and then your guy wins. And it's like the most massive release of energy. And you're just like actively a part of that like energy, right? It's, it's contagious. And that's why Criterion Racing is like so incredible. Oh my gosh, you just gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Oh my God, let's go. Let's go right now. <laughs> yeah. So that's what it sounds like when people get really, really excited about bike racing. Which, to be honest, doesn't happen all that much these days in the United States. Professional road cycling here is at its lowest point in a long time. But that could be changing. Pro racer Justin Williams, who you just heard, has a bold plan for a revival that just might get a lot of us to care about bike racing again. For today's episode, outside associate editor Marin Larson is going to explain what Justin is up to. Despite working at Outside for a couple years now, I've never really gotten the appeal of bike racing. Like most Americans, I watched a stage or two of the Tour de France once a year, but it didn't really hold my interest. Until I saw crits. <laughs> Criterium racing, or crit racing for short, 
isn't at all like the multi-day races through scenic courses, like the Tour, that reign supreme in Europe. They're much shorter and much, much faster. Crits take place on closed courses on city streets, and riders do one loop after another at top speed, which often makes for spectacular crashes. Going from watching road racing to watching Criterium is like going from watching a marathon to watching NASCAR. Crit racing events can be a little gritty. Big pro races, like the ones put on by the premier USA Crit Series, often take place in artsy, urban downtown areas. But many local crits just happen in parking lots or neighborhoods. Still, it's the most popular bike racing discipline in the United States. And there's good reason for that. It's cycling, reimagined as a full contact sport. It's the most intense hour and a half of people riding at 30 mile an hour average and pushing speeds of like 40 miles an hour inches away from each other. There's there's a hundred guys fighting for the same apex in the same corner every lap and they're continuously threading the needle. There's crashes, there's screaming, there's yelling, there's this energy that travels with the field as it comes by you. You get to watch the race really unfold. And like, it's just this experience. It's an experience of like high intensity, high octane, in your face kind of athletics and sport. Uh, and I think that's the reason why it plays so well into American culture is because that's what we're all about. If you love football and you like running, if you like watching people get smacked and ran into each other, or you like people getting dunked on, it has the same feel. Justin is on a mission to change the way we feel about professional cycling in the United States. He wants people to show up for races in droves, and just like they do at NBA and NFL games, decked out in their favorite athlete's jersey, faces painted for their team, ready to spend an hour and a half drinking beer and screaming at the top of their lungs. In other words, Justin wants to create the kind of enthusiasm that just might save American professional cycling. So the last decade has not been kind to American pro cycling. This is Outside Magazine Features Editor Gloria Liu, who you heard going nuts about bike racing with Justin at the start of the episode. She wrote a feature about him for Outside's April-May issue. Essentially, when Lance Armstrong was going on his tear and he won seven Tour de France's, that was probably, I would call it, the heyday of pro cycling for America because we had these homegrown heroes like Lance Armstrong and Floyd Landis but after all the doping allegations came out, a lot of sponsors pulled from the sport and a lot of American sports fans became disenchanted with cycling and cycling kind of became synonymous with doping. If anyone can bring new energy to American pro cycling, it's Justin Williams. His successful cycling career hasn't followed the path of how you're traditionally supposed to excel in the sport. He's also emerged as an outspoken advocate for starting a new era in cycling, one that appeals to a more diverse and more mainstream audience. Justin's cycling journey has been a long one, and it began humbly with him riding bikes around South Central LA with his brothers, just like any other kid. He was always an athlete and loved to play basketball and football. 
but his father came from Belize, where cycling is like a national sport. So Justin grew up watching his dad do this, but he was never like invited uh, to be a part of this until one day when he was 12, he saw his dad had left his bike on a trainer. And I think he said it was this like really beautiful green GT. And um, Justin was just like looking at the bike and he was kind of like, I wonder what my dad will do if I like ride this bike on this indoor trainer. So like he just like got on it and started riding it. And his dad didn't say anything. So then the next day, Justin got back on the bike and rode it again. And like this went on for like two months, right? Like Justin would just get on this trainer and ride this bike. And his dad would was slowly like, you know, like he gave him bike shorts and he gave him bike shoes, but he wouldn't take him outside for a ride until Justin had ridden this bike on this trainer every day for two months. Um, And anybody who's like a cyclist knows like how much torture that is. (laughs) Like no cyclist likes riding the indoor trainer. So um, finally, like two months later, his dad is like, okay, I'll take you on your first outdoor ride. And he does. And it turns out to be this 70 mile ride. And he like doesn't tell Justin that he needs to drink or bring any food or eat or anything. And Justin, like, is wearing his boxers under his bike shorts. And, like, predictably, the poor kid ends up completely cracking. And they end up, like, sitting on the side of the PCH because Justin's totally cramped up and he, like, can't go on. And his dad just leaves him there. (laughs) He doesn't say what he's going to do. He's just, like, rides off. And Justin's just sitting there. And then sometime later, his aunt shows up and picks him up in a car. And that was his first, like, real outdoor ride. Do you remember, like, learning anything from that experience, or...? Other than my dad's an asshole? No. (laughs) I was like, this dude's an asshole, man. What the hell? Even looking back at it now, I was like, that was a dick move. Despite this harrowing first experience, it didn't take long for Justin to fall for the sport. I always loved bikes, motorcycles. Always loved them. BMX bikes, uh, mountain bikes. The first time I... I think I fell in love with the road bikes. Uh, I was probably the first time I won my first race. I love this sport more than I love a lot of other things. And I would like sacrifice a lot of things to, to be in this position that I'm in now. Throughout his teens, part of Justin's training involved weekly criteriums in Long Beach. In many cities across the U.S. where there's a good cycling scene, there is often a weekly training crit like in an office park or a parking lot or something. Anybody can show up and race. And Justin and his brothers got their start racing at a weekly local training crit just like this in Long Beach. I probably did it for at least 15 years. Like every Thursday, it was like, man, it was like church. All that time worshiping at the altar of bike racing paid off. Justin landed on his first pro team at 17, and was funneled into the U.S. national team a year later. And as part of that, he went for the first time to Europe to train for the summer. And that was a big culture shock for him, he says. Besides being in countries where he didn't speak the language, Justin had a very different background from most of the other riders, many of whom were from places like Boulder, Colorado, or Bozeman, Montana. He was the only Black man in the house, and he was from South Central. I felt like I was always trying to make sure that people felt like I wasn't threatening you know, all black men are aggressive or all black men are this, or if you disagree with anything, you're the angry black guy. I was very conscious of that. It felt like people were like waiting for me to say something that was like out of line or like standing up for myself. And it would, like, it was the moment where they can go like, see, you see, 
what really hurt about that whole situation is that I had friends and I had guys that I would ride with all the time. And we'd be complaining about the same shit. I would feel so strongly about saying something about it. And I felt like I couldn't because like, you know, I had more than one thing going against me. Like when they were like just complaining about something, I would have been the black guy that's complaining about something. He said he often felt like there was nobody there who really seemed interested in mentoring him. And he just felt really alone. I never felt like people really wanted to take the time to put me on game, which I think is a little bit unfair. Like, I don't think anybody owes me anything, but I think it's like, it sucks, right? Because I know I had the talent. After just a single season in Europe, Justin left the world tour and came home to the States, back to the domestic pro circuit, and of course, to his first love, crit racing. You feel the wind and you hear the energy, you hear the clicking of the gears and the pedals. It's just like this overflow of senses. It's, it's pretty incredible. He did really well. But still, being a pro rider in the U.S. is no joyride. It's almost impossible to earn enough to live on, no matter how good you are. And you're not allowed to develop your own relationships with sponsors, even if they don't compete with the team sponsors. He felt like every single year he had to just beg people practically for a pro contract. I think he said one year he sent out 150 resumes to teams. And, you know, he was making, at his peak, $12,000 a year as a domestic pro. And meanwhile, he was out there winning races for these teams. In addition to his riding, Justin made a name for himself in other ways. He began speaking out about being marginalized as one of the few black riders at the elite level. In 2016, he founded a development team. It was an elite amateur squad that was composed entirely of, like, riders of color. And his mission was that was to mentor some young riders of color so that they could have um, a promising bike racing career too. And he also started being more outspoken on social media about how important it was for people to see people who looked like them in cycling and, and how if cycling wanted to grow in the future, it needed to attract new audiences. Two years later, Justin made the riskiest decision of his career. So finally, in 2018, he decided to like break out and do his own thing, which means that he cobbled together his own sponsorships and he left the team environment, which is a really pretty audacious move because road cycling really is at its core a team sport, which I think most casual fans or observers don't quite understand. And the reason that it is is because of the drafting effect. So you can save like up to a third of your energy when you're riding a road bike if you ride behind somebody. So for Justin to like break off and be an individual rider, um, especially in a sport like crit racing, that was like a really, really bold and non-traditional move. I don't need these dudes. Like, I just go do my own thing. Like, I'm pretty sure I could like pull together some sponsors and just do it myself. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> the question he should have been asking is what's the best that can happen? His first season on his own was his most successful yet. He took home USA Cycling's Amateur National Road Racing Champion title and the National Criterium Championship. It was just this pure moment, this pure moment of like racing and like, I love it. I love that shit. And it was like this moment where I had won this majorly important race where all odds were against me. And it made me feel like I could do anything. I, I could really, truly do anything I want if I'm happy and I'm living my best life. Not only was he winning all these races, but he was establishing a platform for himself as an advocate for diversity and like combined these two things sort of complemented each other really well. That's pretty much what Justin has become known for in recent years. 
being one of cycling's most outspoken champions for diversity. But his goal now is much bigger than that. He wants to change American bike racing for everyone. The past is very important. And like we should tell the story of how we've gotten to where we are. And and I like telling the story of how I've gotten to where I am. I think it inspires people. I hope it gives people hope and motivation. But at the same time, I think I don't want it to be stuck there. It's like, this is what happened. This was shitty. This is some stuff that I've been through. I know I went through it because I am a black man, but I'm not letting that stop me from wanting to change the sport. After the break, Justin lays out his vision for cycling's fast and furious future. For a moment, I want you to imagine your next big adventure. Maybe it's an epic road trip in your tricked-out van. Or perhaps it's overlanding to a remote spot where you set up a base camp for fishing or climbing. Or, I have this one friend who's always talking about taking his boat to a secret spot on the coast of an area I'm not allowed to talk about, so that he can surf waves that are impossible to access from shore. Any of those journeys sound amazing to me, after what's been a long, long year of way too much time at home. But here's the thing. All of these trips also depend on your vehicle running the way you expect it to. And unfortunately, that's often not the case. Today's fuels tend to gum up your fuel system, leading to all kinds of issues, sometimes at the worst possible moments. The answer to this challenge are the exceptional fuel treatments and vehicle protectants made by Stable. Trusted for decades to keep your motor humming even if you haven't run it in months, Stable now makes a broad array of products to handle the kind of problems that can destroy an adventure before you get out of your driveway. Start your ATV or dirt bike for the first time after it's been in storage and it might die or run rough. But add Stable Fast Fix to the gas tank and it'll eat through the buildup that's been sitting in your system allowing the engine to run as it was designed. Then there's Stable Rust Stopper, which does everything from loosening joints on your suspension to undercoating your truck in the winter to fend off rust caused by salt on the roads. Learn more about these and other Stable products that will make sure you can pull off your next big trip as planned at StableRadio.com. That's S-T-A-B-I-L Radio.com. In 2019, Justin Williams and his younger brother, Corey, started a new cycling team, Legion of Los Angeles. They want the team to promote diversity, but also to serve as a model for how to create a professional cycling team that is more marketing savvy, more profitable, and ultimately, more stable and sustainable. We operate as a a marketing firm that leverages our partnerships uh, through the sport of cycling uh, and storytelling uh, of cycling. And, And that could be... Uh, lifestyle that could be health and fitness that could be racing and this exciting like world that's that's all we do i think we're one of the only teams that can connect to popular culture in a way that is authentic and real a key part of the process is shedding the image of cycling as a sport for dorky liker clad middle-aged white men The traditional pro cycling model has been that we have these teams that are named after these big corporate sponsors that nobody feels any like attachment to. And 
the writers, Justin says, are sort of encouraged not to build their own personal brands. And so they become this sort of faceless amalgam of people wearing mirrored sunglasses and lycra. And it's like hard to feel excited about them as people and as characters and with legion he's trying to do the opposite of that and like create characters that people can like relate to and find themselves attached to their kits are made by sponsor rafa a high-end british cycling brand sleek uniforms with a crisp white lettering that says legion in a logo justin designed himself justin has always been interested in fashion he studied design for a year at college And to him, this focus on style is as much about revamping the sport's image as it is about attracting diversity. I mean, obviously, black culture, like what you look like is one of the very few things that you get to control in your your life. Uh, So it's like hyper important. and It's just a part of our culture, who we are as a people. Justin is just like effortlessly cool. Like you like look at his stuff and you just kind of want to be like him. He has like cool photos of himself and like he has a very good online presence. This uber-slick online persona is all part of a larger business model that Justin aspires to create. Right now, cyclists on the American pro circuit make very little, as low as $5,000 a year for new riders, if they even make a salary at all. That poses a steep barrier to entry for anyone who doesn't come from money. So Justin and his team got into the business of creating stories. They post on Instagram and cultivate a following there. They take thrilling race footage as they whiz around corners and rocket across finish lines. Justin and his brothers even made a short film for Jeep and Sundance TV about growing up in South Central LA and fighting for a place in the mostly white sport of cycling. I think that being in cycling and and it being a sport where people are typically well off, like I don't think people understand like the true like nature of like my background and where I come from. We're doing this because we're literally, we're just having fun being us. We're not pretending. We're literally just having fun being us. Sponsors crave this kind of authenticity and are very willing to pay for it. It's hard for people to connect to brands, right? But it's Mm -hmm. easy for people to connect to people and their stories and how it touches and inspires them. After you get people connected to that, then they can connect to the people that are supporting you because they also want to support you. I was speaking to his team manager at Specialized, and she was telling me that when they launched their Tarmac race bike, which is sort of their flagship, super light, fast race bike, they used Justin and Corey in their marketing, as well as a bunch of their other athletes. And they could just see that like any marketing, like any photo or ad or like Facebook live chat that involved the Williams brothers just got a ton more engagement. So to me, that's just like proof that their tactic works. They are like out there winning hearts and minds. And Also, that's economic value to their sponsors, which will ensure that they will continue to get sponsorship dollars in the future. Justin makes sure that Legion sponsors pay to be affiliated with the team. Not just in free gear, like a lot of cycling teams settle for, but in cash, which Justin uses to make sure his riders make a good wage. We are not working for free. Do you work for free? I'm responsible for 15 people now, and they're not going to work for free because I'm not going to allow them to. So you're going to pay for the partnership or you're not going to have it. And it's that simple. Justin is fiercely protective of his team. Because for Justin, this is really about bringing people together. The secret is in the name. We've named it the Legion because the Legion is a group. It's a mass of people. We want people to want to be involved in a part of it. Legion spells its name with a three and a nine in the place of the E and the G to represent 39th Street in Los Angeles, where the Williams brothers grew up. Legion is a name that has a weight to it, 
and a history. It's a name suited for a movement. But the key to making this all work is crit racing. Europe can have road racing. I love watching it. It's it's fantastic. I just want to be able to create a different avenue of success, one that I know that people like me are going to be able to really participate in. All these elements, the style, the stories, the profit model, the name, the format, they're all little pieces of the puzzle, small glimpses into the larger vision that Justin has. It can be hard to see it all come together, the way I imagine it was hard to see in the 1970s that the NBA would one day look the way it does today. But for Justin, the vision is crystal clear. Paint me a picture of, like, your fantasy for pro cycling in, like, 20 years. In 20 years, teams will have names. Uh, Quick Step will be the Wolfpack <laughs> or the Wolves. Everybody will have numbers and, I, and people will be able to cultivate their own identities. Names on their jerseys. Teams will be have their own stores that so you'll be able to purchase your favorite riders race jersey online, uh, just like you can in basketball. America will have a league crit circuit that you can view on ESPN. The American public will have a very clear understanding of what crit racing is. There'll be some superstars that really are stand out acts and are set apart from the rest of the field that lead their their city teams. Legion of Los Angeles will be what the Los Angeles Lakers are uh, to the NBA. There'll be like these great rivalries and, and historic teams in the sport in 20 years. It's going to be great. And it's going to go from being this like ragtag shit structure to this like very seamless racing league and there's free agency and there's feeder programs and everyone that's participating in the sport is making like a good living. I see like people showing up to a cycling race and understanding that it's this block party, right? This block party with this intense kind of thing happening at the center of it. That's that's where I see it. You can read Gloria Lou's feature profile of Justin Williams in the April-May issue of Outside Magazine. This episode was produced by Marin Larson and edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. This episode was brought to you by Stable, maker of America's number one fuel stabilizer treatment and a growing number of exceptional products that make it easy to keep the vehicles that we depend on for our adventures running the way they're supposed to. Learn more at StableRadio.com. That's S-T-A-B-I-L Radio.com. We'll be back in just four days with the next episode of our new series, The Wild Files.